welcome to episode 70 of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. My name is Greg Lindbergh. Here on this episode of Eyes Free Sports, we are chatting with a college professor at the University of Georgia, and she has a really interesting background in adaptive sports and specifically uh, working with kids who are blind and visually impaired to get them more active. And uh, she also teaches adaptive sports in some of her classes at the University of Georgia and has also done a lot of research in this area. So let's hit the classroom and get rolling now with episode 70. Alright, so joining me here on this episode of Eyes Free Sports, we have Dr. T. Nicole Kirk. And Dr. Kirk is an assistant professor of health and physical education in the Department of Kinesiology at the University of Georgia. Dr. Kirk, welcome to Eyes Free Sports. Thanks, Greg. Thank you for having me. It's really exciting to be here. Absolutely. Really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And uh, like we had chatted before we started here, uh, just really excited to kind of get into some of the research you've done on adaptive sports and uh, working with the blind and visually impaired in various capacities. Yeah, sounds great. Let's talk about it. Awesome. Cool. Alrighty. So why don't we just start off the podcast here with just a brief uh, bio about your background? Okay. Um, sure. Yeah. So uh, as far as sports and things like that go, I'm somebody who's pretty much played sports since I was a little kid. Uh, I'm sighted. So I started playing, you know, I'm from the Midwest. I started playing softball when I was pretty small and basketball. Uh, maybe when I was around third or fourth grade, I really got into soccer and uh, Taekwondo and other martial arts. And those are kind of the two that really stuck. Mm -hmm. So I kept playing those, uh, I soccer through college a little bit and then, uh, martial arts. I've, I've done a lot of different ones, but they've kind of been with me to this day off and on since I was about like, you know, eight and seven or eight years old, maybe. Sure. Um, so that's like my sports background. <laughs> <laughs> Gotcha. Um, School-wise is a little different. I actually uh, kind of got into the world of adapted physical activity. Um, I want to say like by accident is probably the best way to say it. I had an undergraduate degree in psychology and I had a double major in, in psychology and theater stage direction. So not <laughs> anything related to uh, any kind of sports or PE or anything like that. But, you know, after I was done with school, I had moved from St. Louis where I'm from to uh, Chicago and I was doing judo and Brazilian jiu-jitsu as kind of a, you know, hobby sort of thing. And my instructor had a, a daughter who had Down syndrome and she, for whatever reason, she, she kind of took a shine to me and I thought she was great, but he really wanted her to be able to get through the kids class. And, you know, it was a little tough without some support. So he asked me if I could help her to try to, to get through kids class. And I said, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, but like, <laughs> I'll give it a try. <laughs> sure, sure. And so, you know, she and I would kind of play some games, you know, like we, we kind of make things into a game, like when we were doing warm ups and we were running around the mat, you know, I'd race her or, um, you know, I'd do a move wrong and then I'd try to have her tell me what I did wrong or show me what I did wrong. And 
you know, it's just, I was just making it up, but slowly but surely we would get through more and more of the class with support and, and she did pretty well. And I thought, this is really fun. Like, what, what am I doing here? <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> so I started Googling, you know, like, uh, you know, like disability sport question mark or like, you know, things like that. And I, I happened upon adapted physical education and the APE program at a uh, master's program at the University of Virginia. And I just kind of, I don't really know what possessed me at the time, but I kind of just cold emailed the guy whose contact was on that <laughs> website. Yep. And that was um, Dr. Marty Block from University of Virginia, who's kind of like, you know, has been a huge name in the world of adapted PE, especially <laughs> for, you know, most of my life. Right. And he was really nice. I'm amazed he answered my email in retrospect, but um, <laughs> he, uh, you know, he, he said, you know, you're going to need some prerequisites, but you know, when you get those straightened out, you know, you can come do the master's program here and, and get into adapted PE. And so I did my prerequisites and I went to did the program, completed the whole program. And one of the last things you have to do in the program is there's a, uh, I'm going to butcher the name, but there's a, a class called like camping sport and rec for children with disabilities or something like that. And, mm -hmm. and like the little capstone assignment you had to do is go volunteer at a camp, a sport or rec camp for uh, kids with disabilities. And I've been working in schools with the program and, you know, I'd worked with a lot of um, different disability groups or people with different impairments. But one group of people I hadn't really worked with very much were blind and visually impaired people. And so I saw camp abilities on the list and thought, well, this would be a good opportunity <laughs> to actually learn how to teach, you know, kids who are blind or visually impaired, because they'll probably come up in my career. And so I went and you know, volunteered at Camp Abilities Saratoga, and I happened to get a an opportunity to to coach at Camp Ability or at Maryland School for the Blind's Camp Abilities that year, and that was the one I went to first at at Maryland. And I mean, I was scared because I didn't know I didn't really know what I was doing doing, but I mean, it took me I don't know maybe like twenty four hours working with those kids to be like, oh, this is this is really interesting. Hmm. That's kind of where I got to that point. And after that, I kind of just kept wanting to hang out with uh, kids who are blind and visually impaired and coach sports there. Right. Right. Very cool. And I'm curious what, uh, you know, what kind of really drew you into the blind and visually impaired population? What did you see, you know, in some of these kids, maybe their potential and just over time, how they really developed or matured thanks to adaptive sports? Yeah, I think there were a couple of things. I think you hit on something really good that there's like a an opportunity for sports to play a role in gaining independence. Because, you know, a lot of the time when we would see kids who are maybe younger or in their first, I, I did the camp at Maryland for like five years. And so we'd see kids maybe in their first year who were, you know, pretty nervous. They would maybe not advocate for themselves too much. Um, but then, you know, I'm not going to attribute it entirely to a once a week or once a year sports camp, but through that camp, there were opportunities for independence, you know, so when they were on the field playing, they would advocate for themselves, or you'd see them start to kind of use their orientation and mobility skills to start to get around a little bit more at the camp by themselves. You'd see them make friends with other kids hmm. at camp 
which was, you know, maybe not something that they were so used to. They were maybe used to being surrounded by adults all the time. And they got this opportunity to get to be a kid and discover these really cool sports that were really, really fun and challenging, but maybe not something they've been aware of in their, you know, neighborhood schools. Um, so there was that draw. And then just working with kids with visual impairments. I mean, everybody's an individual, but, uh, you know, kids visually impaired and blind kids will kind of put you in your place. (laughs) And I really appreciated that quite a bit. Like I remember one telling one camper, like, Hey, you got to get your stuff together. It's almost time for lights out. And he's like, I'm a B1 athlete. What do I care about lights out? And I was like, that's a really good point, man. (laughs) Okay. It's just a sense of humor around VI sports that I find really like everybody's such a fierce competitor, but they also got jokes and they'll give each other a hard time in a really fun and kind of um, community building way, I guess. And that was really, really a big draw for me. And it keeps me coming back a little bit. Sure. Sure. Very interesting. And then, so as far as camp abilities, what specific sports were you involved in and coached and then participated in? Oh man, (laughs) so many. (laughs) Uh, My first year there, I was the goalball specialist, which um, I probably shouldn't have been because I think I played goalball about three or four times at that point, but I did know how to teach things, you know, so I'd learned how to teach sports and things like that. And so I remember, uh, the camp director who's a, become a pretty good friend of mine, Matt Maskell, um, kind of pulling me aside and being like, look, I know you're nervous, but you know, you're not trying to make them into Paralympians. You, you only need to teach like three lessons, like you're going to be fine. And so I started with goalball. Um, judo had become one of the martial arts, like I said, that I had been into. And it's also, you know, a Paralympic sport for blind and visually impaired athletes. Sure. And so I really wanted to do judo. We didn't really have any equipment to do it, but we did have a wrestling room on Maryland School for the Blind's campus. And so I was lucky enough that we got to do it as like a special event after dinner one night, I got some bed sheets and some like of those big, like yoga balls. And we kind of played some uh, balance games and off balancing games, kind of tug of war things and stuff like that, that were judo adjacent. Um, And then the kids liked it so much that the next year we brought judo in at, at Maryland as a, one of the, you know, um, main sports. So Maryland was a kind of a set up mostly around a Paralympic sport model. So they did track and field, um, five aside soccer. We eventually did. I ended up coaching that too, because somebody said, who knows something about soccer. And I said, Oh, I used to play a lot of soccer. Like I can probably figure this out. (laughs) So I coached uh, early on and I'm not saying I did it very well, but I coached early on five aside soccer at, at Maryland school for the blind. Um, I assisted with track and field. We also played beat baseball. So that was probably the only non-Paralympic sport, but still, you know, a very popular sport. Um, we did swimming and aquatics. We did judo and we did goalball. Those were our big sports. So I was involved in most of those to some degree or another as a, uh, like primary instructor or sometimes as an assistant. Oh, I see. And then as far as the ages of the kids, what kind of age range are we talking about? Oh gosh, that's a good question. I want to say probably eight or nine to 18 was that group. Oh, I see. Gotcha. Yeah. So it was a a pretty big camp as far as camp abilities go. I want to say we maxed out at over 40 one year. And I think our smallest group was 
still over 30. So we would have, uh, you know, three groups based loosely on age and they would kind of rotate through together. So those were like our three teams. Right. Right. I see. Very interesting. Uh, so as far as your career in uh, higher education, so I know you did work in the, the pre-K through 12, uh, you know, school system for a while, I believe. And then, uh, Talk to me about that transition into the college, uh, you know, academic world. Yeah, I was in pre-K through 12 for a couple of years, and I kind of found myself at a crossroads where I was living in Virginia still, and I wasn't really sure if I wanted to move back home, move somewhere else, if I wanted to, to take a different career path. And I was at UVA. I also taught like strength and conditioning classes and stuff like that at UVA for undergrads and I remember I was in between those classes and I was talking to one of the doc students there that I knew about her dissertation. And I was just asking some questions like, you know, have you thought about this? Are you going to do this? Probably really annoying questions, honestly, but I was curious. <laughs> she was really nice and <laughs> let me talk. And, uh, and then it, we kind of came, came to talking about what I was going to do next. And I said, I don't know, I'm kind of putting out feelers back, you know, in, Missouri, Illinois, and other places trying to figure out where I want to teach because the job I had wasn't permanent. Um, it was just, you know, kind of a year by year sort of thing. And uh, she was like, you know, it seems like you probably should just go get your PhD. <laughs> and I said, what? <laughs> uh, and she said, yeah, I think you'd be really good at that. Um, it seems like you've got a mind for research. And I happen to know this guy at Old Dominion University, which is in Southeast Virginia, um, who's just, you know, accepting or accepting applicants for the, the PhD program for the first time. He's a new faculty. He's, uh, you know, kind of young and hungry. And uh, maybe you and I know he's individual impairment stuff as well. So maybe you all would be a good fit. So, again, in uh second time of like cold emailing somebody, I reached out to Dr. Justin Hagel at Old Dominion and said, hey, uh, I just you know wrapped up my master's program at the University of Virginia. I'm thinking I might want to go the research route and, and look into, you know, some issues related to um, physical activity engagement and the meaning of sport and stuff like that among uh, visually impaired and, and blind populations. And he said, okay, let's do it. And so I kind of just wandered down there and started working on that stuff. And it was incredibly fortunate that I wound up where I was. It's for a, a school that was just developing its reputation. Um, I think I had a lot of opportunities there and I definitely had a mentor there who uh, was interested in a lot of the same sort of stuff that I was. So we had a lot of fun over the three years I was there, you know, writing projects and, and developing different types of projects. Um, not all of them related to, to visual impairment, but most of them really. So we talked about, uh, you know, visual impairment, uh, kids with visual impairments experiences in physical education context. We had talked about, uh, we did some fitness and uh, physical activity engagement uh, measurements among some of the kids uh, mm. at residential schools. So at Maryland School for the Blind and who weren't residential students. And uh, did some motivation-related stuff about what are some factors that influence uh, physical activity engagement for folks with visual impairments. And yeah, then I uh, then I graduated. I went to the University of Michigan for a postdoc for a brief time, which was great. And then I was really fortunate to land a job at the University of Georgia, where I am now. 
And I've been, again, incredibly fortunate that I get to keep looking into cool stuff like uh, PE experiences, physical activity experiences, and uh, even even more cool things on the horizon. So I'm pretty fortunate. Nice. Very cool. And then just delving a little further into some of your research, uh, you know, whether it was in your, your doctoral program or even since then, any interesting findings, any, you know, conclusions that you've really come to, you know, in terms of blind and visually impaired and, and adaptive sports? Yeah, there are a couple of things that stand out to me. I mean, first, it's it's not really my work. It's really a lot of it was uh, Justin Hagel's work, but that I, I had the opportunity to help with about PE experiences. And so by and large, what we've learned is that, you know, most blind and visually impaired people don't have great PE experiences a lot of the time. Right. Um, they aren't included in PE, or if they are, they're doing a different activity, or if they're in the same activity, it's poorly modified if it if it needs modification, or they have kind of like these token roles, like if you're playing volleyball and you're just the server all the time, you know, you might feel a little bit weird about that. Um, but it's really it sounds really gloom and doom and and I don't mean for it to, but it gives us a lot of information about how we can train teachers better. So how can we teach teachers to incorporate modifications and activities that are better suited for blind and visually impaired kids to be able to participate in PE and hopefully like set that foundation of a lifelong appreciation of physical activity and sport. So what we've learned, in addition to the general stuff about experiences being kind of a bummer, is uh, that PE teachers really do make a difference. In instances in which people had PE teachers who listened to them, who asked for their input, and who weren't afraid to let blind and visually impaired kids fail a little bit in PE, were the ones who had the better experiences. So, you know, it's really a matter of like, among other things, there are a lot of issues, but one of the big ones is are PE teachers listening to kids with visual impairments? And the answer seems to be usually not, but they should. <laughs> right. So that's a really big one. Um, in the world of more like sport and things like that, I still haven't uh, finished writing this manuscript, but I did uh, a little while ago talked to a bunch of uh, blind and visually impaired uh, judo players and Brazilian jiu-jitsu players about their experiences in those sports, which are very closely related sports. Um, they're both grappling-based sports. The big difference is that judo as a Paralympic sport has a rule set that is uh, modified. There's like a contact rule like wrestling for uh, blind and visually impaired athletes who are playing in tournaments. And that rule can be applied between two blind athletes, one blind athlete and one sighted athlete, um, depending on the competition. Brazilian jiu-jitsu doesn't actually have that rule. So it's really up to the individual competitors to make a decision about whether there's going to be a contact rule or not. But overall, you know, there are two sports that I think lend themselves pretty well to not having a great deal of vision or not having any vision in some cases, um, because it's all about contact. You know, you're not aiming at something, you're not kicking or punching something, you grab a hold of somebody and then, you know, we're going to wrestle. So it, it works pretty well. Sure. And um, the, that was kind of the finding that, that I had is that while there are still some barriers for blind folks in the world of jujitsu and judo, 
um, namely social ones like instructors who are poorly trained or instructors who don't really understand like, hey, you got to do that hand or you move like this, you know, things like that. The sports themselves were very accessible um, for athletes and that they felt as though they could be really successful with few modifications. And that was something that was really impactful for them. And anecdotally, that's something that I've seen a lot at camps. So I was in Alaska a few weeks ago, back in July, hmm. doing uh, Camp Weber, which is another VI sport camp. And I, we were, it was awesome. We got to introduce judo back to the camp for the first time in like 20 years. And I had a couple of athletes who came away wanting to, you know, find judo or jujitsu lessons in their hometown. And again, I think it's that like, the excitement of being like, I don't have to find something that's beeping. There's just a person in front of me and I'm going to throw them on the ground. <laughs> it's like pretty simple, you know? Yep, yep. Straightforward. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And uh, as far as the physical benefits of adaptive sports in general, you know, specifically related to blind and visually impaired uh, research has definitely shown, you know, there's a lot of obesity, uh, you know, weight challenges that people with disabilities in general face, including mm -hmm. those who are blind and visually impaired. And uh, have you kind of witnessed that in your research and just talk to me a little more about the physical benefits of participating in these sports? Yeah, there's, a, you know, there's certainly a lot of research and it's kind of all over the place, but certainly most of the research indicates that uh, folks with visual impairments don't meet like the recommended amount of physical activity sure. um, and whether that's more or the same as sighted people is really up for some debate but but we know there's room for more physical activity for folks who are visually impaired regardless of what anybody else is doing but and there are you know obviously tremendous benefits right it's fun usually <laughs> especially sports yep. there's an opportunity to not only improve your physical well-being but build community with the people that you are, you know, working out with or playing your sport with or doing your yoga with or whatever you're doing. And it's just something that I think anybody who wants to have sport or physical activity in their lives should have access to it. But of course, again, the problem is that we know that there are a lot of barriers to access. Right. Um, you know, there's the big stuff, like the big societal stuff, like cost and, the built environment and transportation. But then again, we run into the same things we ran into with like PE and stuff like that, which is, you know, you don't have trained staff or you have blind or visually impaired people who are worried about being um, a drawback for the sighted people who might be sharing the space. Because, you know, if you're someone who's blind or visually impaired, you're probably the only person or one of a couple. Um, and, and being concerned about how long it takes you to learn movements or, you know, how hard orientation and mobility might be in that given space. I think that's, those are things that we have a lot of room to improve on, uh, to allow for greater access. And, you know, the folks that I've talked to who, who are visually impaired often are kind of like, look, if you want to find a way, you'll find a way, but it might mean working out in your apartment or in your house by yourself rather than going to the community center and getting to do yoga or small group training with other people. And I think, I mean, this is just my <laughs> semi-educated opinion, but I think more opportunity is better. And I think it would be 
I think there's a whole community aspect that can be missing when you're kind of on your own working out instead. So I think that's something that's a big area for improvement in terms of increasing accessibility. Sure, sure. All great points and definitely a lot of factors, obviously. Uh, Let's talk a little more about your current role teaching at the University of Georgia. And I'm curious, you know, what classes you've taught and in terms of adaptive sports, how that's kind of fit into the curriculum that that you've taught. Yeah, absolutely. So every semester I teach uh, adapted PE. So um, essentially in Georgia, anyway, it's the only class that uh, health and physical education majors will have that focuses on disability populations when they're in their pre-service training programs. So they're all going to graduate with, uh, it's not an official certification or anything, but the letter of the the policy says that they're all qualified when they graduate the program to teach adapted PE or teach students who have disabilities in their classes. So because of my class is the only one, I take it pretty seriously. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but in like a, I, I try to make it as enjoyable as possible. So we have a, a children's program, which is for all children who have uh, who are eligible to receive special education services, regardless of their you know diagnosis or impairment. Um, and we have it's kind of a swim and gym thing where we do you know thirty minutes of gym based exercise or sports or PE skills or fundamental movement skills or whatever, and then 30 minutes of swimming and aquatics. And so we do that every semester. We do that uh, nine weeks of our semester. And it's kind of the best part of the class because, you know, we sit there and talk about stuff. But this is like really where it's fun for the UGA kids to get a chance to develop specific tailored programming for their client and see like, how does it go? You know, (laughs) does it actually work? what are the things that I need to brush up on? What are the things I need to sharpen up? And, you know, also just getting to learn that like disabled kids aren't scary people to be around. They're not really intimidating. They're pretty cool. Like, you know, and that's a huge thing is some of the kids that I teach have never really been around disabled people before at any large number. And Hmm. I think they're pretty intimidated that, I think some of them maybe are intimidated that they're going to harm the child that they're working with by accident. I think some of them might be a little intimidated that the child is going to not harm them, but like be a lot to deal with. And they tend to find out that like neither one of those things is really going to happen. They're pretty much going to have a good time. (laughs) So we do that every semester and it's huge. Um, I think it's tremendously important. Uh, I've had a few kids so far, UGA kids so far, who've gotten a bit of an interest in adapted PE from my class and probably also other events in their lives. It's not just me, I'm sure. <laughs> they've, they've got other things that contribute, but having that interest sparked, I think, is great. Because if you're going to go out and teach general PE and you're not going to have an adapted PE teacher in your district, well, you are that adapted PE teacher as well now. So. Um, having an interest in and learning, knowing that there are things that you can do to work with students so that they're not put to the side, they're not just walking the track, is really important. So some stuff that we like to do every semester, we do uh, the iSport day, and we usually do um, goalball. I try to do beep kickball. I don't do beep baseball because it's too hard for them to learn in one day, but we try to do beep kickball. 
And uh, those are the big two. We also do some human guide and a little bit of uh, tethered running. And the idea is just like when you, when inevitably at some point in your career, you have a kid who is visually impaired in your class, you hopefully will remember like, oh yeah, Dr. Kirk told us about goalball or Dr. Kirk told us about beep kickball. I could get one of those and, you know, I could teach them about that sport rather than, well, I guess they're just going to sit there, you know, or they're going to walk the track while everybody else does soccer or whatever. Sure. So that's kind of always the hope with that class. I just want to spark something, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm curious, uh, just a little more on, you know, feedback you've gotten from students specifically on the blind sports. Has it really kind of opened some of their minds? Like, wow, you know, there's so many things out there. I didn't realize as far as adaptive sports. I think so. Yeah. I will say, um, every semester there's always at least one or two who are really, really nervous to do it. <laughs> um, I think the idea of putting on eye shades if you've never done it before and you're sighted can be pretty intimidating. Sure. Um, but most of them come away and if not really enjoying it, at least thinking it was cool. Maybe they are scared of playing it still, especially goalball, right? That ball's kind of hard, um, <laughs> but, but at least I have an appreciation for it. And some of them get really into it. I mean, I've had a couple times when I've had a hard time getting them to stop playing at the end of the day. So wow. um, every once in a while I get to hop in and play too. And that always makes me really happy. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Can't beat that, that opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> But I think they are like, it's a whole new, exciting world. And so um, while we don't play all the sports, we also have a, a Paralympic sport unit where they all give presentations on different Paralympic sports, who plays them, how you might adapt those for a PE. And uh, that's always really popular too, because it's just this opportunity to, to learn really quickly. Like there's this whole world of other sports out there. Right. Absolutely. And then have you had the chance to engage with uh, the athletic department at all in terms of getting any student athletes involved? Not yet, but that's a target for, uh, for our, our progression moving forward. So we're really lucky. We're about ready to do a VI sport field day for the first time oh, wow. ever, as far as I know, at UGA, but certainly during my time, which is only three years. So it's possible it happened before, but <laughs> Uh, we're bringing in uh, students, K-12 students who are blind and visually impaired from the greater Northeast Georgia area. They're all coming to campus and we're going to teach just in a really like fast kind of intro try it day. We're going to teach uh, five aside, goalball and beep kickball. And I'm so excited. I can't, it's in a late September and I'm, I really can't wait, um, you know, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be hectic, but I like, I'm so excited to see not just the UGA kids get a chance to work with kids with visual impairments in real time, you know, in their, in their element, but also for the kids from the schools to come in. Some of them, I'm guessing we'll see goalball beep kickball for the very first time right. and we'll play for the very first time. And so the idea that we can take these two groups together and, everybody's learning something new at the same time and everybody's having fun in a laid back sort of environment, I think is going to be great. And UGA reaching out to UGA athletics 
is not something that uh, I've done for this round, but if we were kind of pilot testing this first round, and then after that, something that I'd like to get them involved in to come be volunteers, be, uh, you know, volunteer coaches, uh, you know, one session or something like that to, to kind of learn a little bit more and also maybe strap in and play some beef kickball or <laughs> baseball oh, yeah. against, against the athletes, you know, right. Strap on those eye shades and, you know, get, uh, get exactly. in the box, get on the field, whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, get, uh, get beaten up a little bit by some sixth graders, <laughs> you know, know uh, yeah. a little bit more about this than you do at this point. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Very exciting to hear. And then just to wrap up here, um, any kind of future research, future goals or areas of study that you'd really like to focus on? Oh, man, I'm really glad you asked about that because we're actually about ready to start a pilot program. And I have no idea how it's going to go, but I'm very excited about it. That is a, a small group fitness program on campus that is developed just for uh, blind and visually impaired students at UGA. And so we're taking a small group to start. It's going to be sort of like a, you know, kind of high intensity interval training, sometimes some like cardio kickboxing, stuff like that kind of atmosphere. And the idea is physical activity to help people who may or may not be feeling super sound in their motor skills to go to a gym and, you know, participate in one of those classes, but also to help build community around folks with visual impairments together at UGA. And so the hope is that, you know, they'll, the participants will feel that they've learned some physical activity skills, but also that they have gotten to know more people, both people who have visual impairments at UGA, but also the, the fitness staff um, and can kind of build that community. Because, you know, when you do small group exercise and stuff like that, as much as it's about feeling better and gaining fitness benefits, it's also about community. Uh, sure. And so I, I hope that's what we're going to, we're going to accomplish. Uh, the pilot is also going to be something where we're going to be working with uh, the participants. It's not, I don't know if you could rightly describe it as participatory action research, but it's pretty close. So once we have the pilot stuff going, we'll be working with the participants with their feedback to continue to develop new iterations of the project and kind of troubleshoot um, things that could go better and things that they feel like would make the program work better for them. And ultimately the goal, it's a very high goal and I don't know how easy it is to achieve, but my goal is to uh, develop programs like that that can be uh, co-sponsored, if you will, between like programs that have, uh, you know, universities that have like adapted physical education or activity programs, uh, rec therapy programs, strength and conditioning programs, all kinds of things like that. And, you know, campus rec or campus rec sports programs so that, you know, good sized universities. It doesn't have to be necessarily only for folks with visual impairments and, and folks who are blind, but they have a better idea about how to provide that quality instruction. And, and that's kind of our hope, I think, for the long term is that we can proliferate this to more places to bring more people in. Right, right. That's fantastic. Super excited to hear about that. And hey, would love to follow your efforts on that, that front. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Definitely. Alrighty. Again, we've been joined by Dr. T. Nicole Kirk, an assistant professor at the University of Georgia. And Dr. Kirk, just want to thank you so much for your time and certainly all the research and everything that you're doing uh, to support 
uh, the blind and visually impaired community and adaptive sports and i really enjoyed this discussion so thank you so much oh man thank you i am a, a huge fan of beat baseball and so getting to hang out with you is is awesome <laughs> as, a, as a beat baseball player awesome all righty thanks again thank you Be sure to follow the Eyes Free Sports podcast at facebook.com slash eyesfreesports and on Twitter at eyesfreesports. Eyes Free Sports.